Father, we love you, and we thank you for your presence, and I just love the, the words there that just to say your name is to praise you. Our Savior, Redeemer, we praise your name. Pray for every one of us today that we would come to a new understanding, a deeper understanding, a fresh understanding of just what it means that Jesus died on the cross for us, that he served us in that way. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That'd be great. And good morning and welcome to spring, right? This changes automatically, it felt like, from one season to another. Uh, love it if you uh, go ahead and uh, right now grab your message notes while you're getting settled. This would be a great time to do that. Uh, these will help you follow along today. All the Bible verses will be here that you might need this morning. Uh, also, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open it to John chapter 13. That's where we're going to be at today as we look at the idea of having to bless the world, <clears throat> bless our world. We're going to look at these verses today and uh, an example of Jesus' life and how he did that. But I just want to kind of remind us about what we're doing in this series. It's Everyday Life on Purpose. And uh, as we designed it, it was just a kind of a prayer that God would use this series to awaken us. Uh, to awaken us to uh, the world and the condition of the world, and, uh, but also to awaken us to what he wants to do in the world and how he wants to use every one of us every day on purpose, living for him. And I've had so many of you talk to me uh, about how this has changed the way that you leave here, has changed your work, changed the, your play, uh, just as you're looking for opportunities where you might share your faith with people that you run into uh, as you go along. So I just want to give you, a, right at the top of your notes, uh, you can see the series main idea. <clears throat> this comes from uh, the Great Commission. Uh, when Jesus, right before he went to heaven, he gave his disciples, he said, you know, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. He said that them, he says, go and make disciples. So they were disciples who were going to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded. And then he said these awesome words, and I will be with you always. I will be with you always. From that, here's our series main idea. Jesus has promised that as we live every day on mission, we will have his power and his presence to engage in his purpose of making disciples who make disciples. And that's our calling, to make disciples who make disciples. Uh, and then if you look next down, there's this. Um, and so that's uh, actually our number one purpose, okay? Our number one job is that we would make disciples who make disciples. And so every week what I've done uh, in the times that I've spoken is I've shown you some pictures of people who had one job and did it wrong. And so we've just looked at those. You had one job. Let's look at some of these this morning. You had one job. <clears throat> I tell you, let's go down to Sacramento and we can see you just had one job. Okay, next. You had one job. You had to get the posters correct. The girl's head goes on top. You had one job. Uh-oh. That plaque. You had one job. Poor teacher who got that, right? You had one job. Come on, come on, come on. Wrong ship, right? Wrong spaceship. Okay, you had one job. Get the continents correct. Oh, my word. There's Europe. 
all the struggles and having in Europe right now. Okay, so you had one job. Now, I put this up because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And if you saw this play this season, this is the, the Indianapolis Colts. And it's fourth down to three, as you can see on the uh, bottom of the ticker in the bottom. And so they decided that they would do a fake punt. And so if you see there, all the blockers are lined up at the bottom on the right. And then you've got the center and the running back right there. And no one could actually figure out what was actually supposed to happen. Uh, no one took blame for this. The coach took blame, honestly, and said it was his fault. But no one really understood what happened. Well, anyway, the center snapped the ball to the running back. So you see there's one, two, three, four white jerseys right across from him. So do you think the play worked? No. You had one job, do a fake punt. It didn't work. I, just, well, I guess the bottom line is he wasn't supposed to snap the ball. Uh, and so then they ended up tackling him in that place. Okay, so today, here's what I usually do. is I usually give you the main idea at the last of the message, uh, but I thought today I'd give you the main idea right up front in case some of you, you know, you're a little glazed-eyed as you've been thinking about Super Bowl and your party and the things that you're doing, uh, those kinds of things, but so in case you missed out on something along the way. But here's the message main idea. I'm going to ask, let's read it out loud, okay? So let's all engage together. Let's read it out loud. Jesus calls those who have been loved and cleansed to follow his example of humble servants. That's it. That's where we're going today. Jesus calls those who have been loved and cleansed to follow his example in loving service. And that's what we're going to look at today. And the, one of the key verses in the Bible that talked to us about the humility of Jesus and the fact that he was a servant is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In fact, this was a hymn of the early church. Paul writes this, and he says, You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And so at the end of our service time today, we're going to be focusing on uh, communion together and the fact that Jesus did is the ultimate act of service that he went to the cross and he died there for you and me, that we could have life. God died for his creation. And so as we look at Jesus today, uh, he is the example of humility. Now, I know that some of you are going to go, well, that was Jesus, Ron. Sure, we expect him to be humble, right? Because he's Jesus. And so, well, that's true. But when we think about this, that Jesus has also called us to live like him, and he's promised us that we'll have his presence and we'll have his power as we carry out his purposes, then one of the purposes he has for us is that we would be humble and that we would be able to serve others out of this place of humility, understanding what he has done for us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover a little three quick ideas uh, from John 13. I'm just going to take these verses apart, actually verses 1 through, I think, 17 we're going to go through today uh, as we look at these. Uh, and then we're going to listen to what Jesus says to us, and then we're going to have communion together uh, as we wrap this up. So first is this. How can we bless our world? Humbly love like Jesus. Humbly love like Jesus loved. That's how we do that. And so we're going to use this example from John 13 to look at these. And so I just want to begin with verse 1, and I'm going to make some comments as we go and just help us to understand what it is that we're going to look at here for the next few minutes. Okay, so verse 1 begins, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come. So he has an understanding that his hour has come. 
Now, if you remember, those of you who know your Bible, that uh, in John chapter 2, when Jesus came and uh, he was at the wedding feast and he made water into wine, that his mother came to him and said, you know, you really need to act here. You really need to take care of the the guests by uh, performing a miracle. And remember Jesus' words to his mother, my time has not yet come. So my time has not yet come. And uh, he made this reference several times that John records. You can look at John 7 and find another one. My reference has not come. I mean, my time has not come. And then he gets to this place, and this is what he says. He says, he knew that his hour had come. So he knows that this is why he's here. So you remember, if you read your Bible, the first 12 chapters of John, they're all about what you believe and why you would believe. And then in verse in chapter 13, there's a switch, and it talks about how you can be transformed because of what you believe, and from basically from 13 to 17, and then from the end, it talks about his crucifixion. And so looking at him, his time had come. Now's the time. And so he says this, now's the time to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Once you circle the word, two words, very end. Those words actually mean in the perfect time. So in the perfect time, the very end, he has loved his followers. The word loved is in there twice. You might circle it both or underline it, just highlight that. Talking about he loved his disciples, and now he loved them perfectly, in the perfect way, to the perfect end. He loved them. He loved them completely. He loved them with the total Fullness of love. Goes on, says it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Okay, so I'm not covering this today. I'm not covering this today. This is a, a minor point in this passage. So in your community group this week, those of you who do message based, if you have someone in your community group that wants to make this the major, you, right now you say, No, we're not doing that. We're gonna talk. This is a minor point. Uh, and so there's a lot of different thoughts about what this might mean, but it's not the point of what it is this whole passage is about in this place. To betray Jesus. Jesus knew <clears throat> that the Father had given him authority. So once again, he's saying, I have authority over all things, and that he had come from God and returned to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around them. So what I think is really helpful <clears throat> as we look at these verses, for, those, for some of us to think about the fact of Jesus being God, but Jesus was also human, and Jesus had the love of God for his disciples, but he also had a human love for his disciples. And so it's really good for us to try to put ourselves into the situation uh, of what is actually going on here. So he is with the 12 men. And he is invested in for three years. So these 12 guys, he's invested totally in and different culture than we have today. There wasn't distractions, so they weren't thinking about, uh, you know, they're carrying around their iPhones and thinking about, you know, posting, you know, selfies of everything that they did with Jesus uh, or Twittering, tweeting people about that. They weren't distracted about, you know, the media that they were going to get, you know, the games. They were distracted. There's very few distractions, really, because it was, you you worked really hard just to, to live. And so they spent a lot of time together. And so they developed a deep love for each other. So if you just even get it more clearly, what's happened is is this. Right before this story, Luke records for us (coughs) that the disciples, 
Okay, just think about this. Jesus has come to town. And so as he's come to town, this is the palm branches, Palm Sunday, we celebrate. And so they've waved palm branches at Jesus, and they said, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the king, and they were ready to make him king. So the disciples were part of this scene. They were part of what was going on. And so they're like thinking, my word, everybody's going to make him the king, and so where are we going to be in this, right? Where's our place? So they were thinking about their place being, you know, right and left hand, you know, taking care of Jesus, and they'd be people of authority and importance, and it kind of went to their heads, okay? Went to their heads, what had just happened. And so Luke records that as they were on their way to this place where Jesus had invited them and them alone to come have dinner with him, the Passover feast, is that as they were coming there, they were arguing, They've been with Jesus three years, okay? And they were arguing about who was the greatest. Who was the greatest? That's what they're arguing about. And so you can kind of imagine, they come, they get to the place, and and they go up the stairs. I'm assuming it has stairs. They go up to the stairs, and they burst into the room, and they've got all this energy, okay? Because they've been arguing with each other about who's the greatest. And they were, I'm sure they're having a lot of fun, because they're guys, and they were pushing each other and joshing and having a good time. And they burst into the room, totally focused on the excitement of being one of Jesus' followers. Oh, we are so special. We get to be one of Jesus' followers. They burst into the door. All protocol goes to the side, and they find their seating. And I'm assuming that Jesus probably assigned their seating. This is not the first time that they've had this meal together. Uh, One of the things to remember as we get further along in this today is that Jesus had positioned Judas next to him. So just one of the things to remember as we go through this today. But here's protocol. Here's what should have happened. They burst into the door. There should have been a basin and a pitcher with water in it and a slave. And this duty was assigned to the lowest of slaves. Uh, and this slave was there that when they came in would wash the guests' feet, wash their feet. And, you know, that they, they had, you just think about around here, you know, in the summertime, we have all our rain now and all the dirt's compacted. But as we go through the summer, it gets, you go out to the forest and the forest service roads and it turns to dust and it's thick dust and it just blows everywhere as you drive or as you walk. That's kind of what was happening. And so in the, in the, uh, the dry times, it would be thick dust and then it would rain, it would turn to what? Mud. And so when they came into that room, they either had extremely dirty feet or extremely muddy feet. And the the protocol was that you would wash the guest's feet. The servant would actually do that. But they didn't, you know, there was no one there. They're like, they looked around, kind of like me when I come home and from work and we're getting ready to have dinner. (laughs) Let me finish, okay? So we're getting ready to have, (laughs) we're getting ready to have dinner and so, uh, you know, finally, one of my, you know, either Jordan or uh, Kim will say to me, did you wash your hands yet? I'm like, oh, rats, we got to wash our hands, right? So it's kind of what happened right here. That they needed to wash their feet, but they forgot all about it. They were so excited, and they sat down. And so you remember, let's look at a picture here. Uh, if we remember this, this is what was actually the setting of going, what was going on there. And so it was low. Everything was low down to the ground, and this is where we're going to get to. But just as they were thinking about how good it was to be with Jesus, without fanfare, without announcement, without a tweet, Jesus stands up, okay, so he's already there, he stands up, 
He takes off his outer cloak, robe. He takes off his inner cloak, and now he's down to you know a loin wrap, loin cloth. And then he grabs a towel and he puts it around his waist, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now imagine what they've felt at this point. Imagine just how foolish they felt at this point. And what was you know they were just they had just been in a street going, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And now they come into the room, and not one of them went to the one who was the greatest and offered to wash his feet, but the one who was the greatest came to them to wash their feet. Jesus was the one who was humble. Now, one of the meanings of humble in the New Testament is to stoop, is to stoop. So Jesus stooped low, and then he washed the feet of his disciples. And here's what's so cool for me. It was so meaningful as I was thinking about this. In spite of their self-focused thoughts, John records not that Jesus was miffed or angry or frustrated at them. John records that Jesus felt love. He felt absolute love. He loved them. He's feeling all of the love he has, both from a human standpoint and a divine standpoint. He's been with them for three years. He knows, Jesus is the only one in this room who knows that that very night he will die. And this will be his last supper with his disciples. And so you can imagine as he's washing every foot that he's thinking and praying for, I'm going to imagine, praying for every disciple. And he's thinking about the times they've had together He's thinking about the laughs they've shared. He's thinking about the mistakes that this disciple has made and his growth. He's thinking about the progress that this disciple has made. And he's feeling absolute love. He's looking at them with eyes of love. But he didn't just say, I love you, right? He showed, I love you by washing their feet. And here's what I want you to get today, right now. As I want every one of us to get this that that's the way Jesus is looking at you right now. That he's looking at you with absolute love in his eyes. Absolute love. He knows you. He knows where you've come from. He knows the mistakes you've made. He knows the victories you've had. Jesus looks at you with love. Even though we may get self-focused, he looks at us with eyes of love. Jesus does not judge us according to our behavior. Jesus loves you because you're you. He loves you. I just want to ask, do you know that? Do you, do you just let that come in. He would look at you in that kind of eye and he would just say, I love you. Well, if you know that, as Pastor John talked to us about last week, then you will want to you will be motivated to. You will be inspired to share that same love with others so that they can know it as well. They can experience it. When we know how much we're loved, our response is to humbly love others as Jesus loved us. That's our response. Okay, that's just the first point. Second point is this. How can we humbly love the world? Humbly receive from Jesus. Humbly receive from Jesus goes on and says this. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, so he's washing feet now, he comes to Peter. Peter, you know, boisterous, bold Peter, 
Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Now, if you remember right last week when John talked, he said that sometimes when we come to Scripture, uh, one of the, way, the Bible, one of the best ways to understand it is to go forward and then go backwards. And so this is kind of what's happening right here. There's something that's coming that you don't know about, but when it comes, this will make sense. This will make sense to you. And then Peter says, no, you will never wash my feet. Uh, the first thing Peter says is no. Now, what I think is significant here and for us to grasp this morning is this. In Jesus' day, people said no to Jesus. In Jesus' day, people said no to being cleansed by Jesus, just as people say no to being cleansed by Jesus in our day, in our day. So, see, the only people who say no to Jesus' offer of cleansing are those who are too proud. They're too proud. So think about it. They either think they're too good... Like, you know, I'm good enough and I don't need Jesus. I'm too good. Or they think that they're too bad. Jesus could never love me because I'm too bad. And both positions are rooted in pride. Both positions are rooted in pride. Here's the deal. Responding to Jesus when he offers to be cleansed, offers to cleanse us, requires humility. It requires me being willing to bend a knee and saying, I need you, I want to receive what you offer. Goes on and says this, Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon exclaimed, you know, here's, here's the, you know, Simon, Jesus is walking in the water and he says, let me in. And he goes in and he sinks, you know, and so you see, he's just very boisterous along the way. He says, then wash, wash me everywhere, Jesus, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. Now, we just know, this is not about hygiene, folks. Just know that, okay? This is not a hygiene lesson. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. So in other words, not all of you have received the bathing that I offer, the cleansing I offer. So what he said to, to Peter is, you know, Peter, you're just going to have to trust me on this. You don't understand it now, but you will. You're going to have to trust me on this. And so Jesus was saying, Peter, if you do not let me, listen, if you do not let me be who I came to be for you, if you don't let me stoop down and act on your behalf to cleanse you, then Peter, you cannot enter the kingdom. You cannot enter the kingdom. Peter, something needs to be done for you. You need to be cleansed. Unless I do it, Peter, you have no part in me. No part in me. And what the it is, the cross. It's the cross. He's saying, Peter, you don't know what I mean by the fact that I'm going to cleanse you. But after what you're going to witness in the next few hours, it'll all make sense. When I go to the cross, Peter, and I die on that cross for your sins, at that moment, Peter, I'm making it possible for all people to be cleansed, to be bathed in my blood, 
and to be whole. That's what I'm doing. All wrongs will be taken away. All things will be made right. When you see that, Peter, then you're going to know what that means. Now, there's so much theology in these verses, folks, so much theology. So, and we don't have time for that, so kind of let me summarize, okay? What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying to Peter, and he's saying to everyone else, you need me to cleanse you. You cannot cleanse yourself. You need me to cleanse you. So what we have to all do is humbly bend a knee before Jesus and say, I, I realize that I'm not good enough. I still need you. I realize that I'm not too bad. I need you and only you and only through you can I be made clean. And he's saying to Jesus, he's saying to us, unless I wash you and unless I cleanse you from your sins, you will not be clean before the Father. And if you're not clean before the Father, you won't share in the fruit of what you're going to see me do as I go to the cross that I'm going to hang on in a few hours. So Jesus was looking forward to what he was going to do, and then what he was going to do was going to make all people able to be clean by the shedding of his blood on the cross. So he's talking about the cleansing power of the blood on the cross. Now here, he's not talking about hygiene. He's not saying if you took a bath in the morning um, and at the end of the day that uh, you don't need another bath, (laughs) uh, but it is an example. And the example is this. If you take a bath in the morning, you don't need another bath in the evening. In the evening, all you need to do is wash off what got dirty in the day. And that was your feet. Since you do get dirty, since your feet do get dirty, then you need me to cleanse your feet. You need me to make you clean again. So we have the first cleansing, the bathing, cleanses us from our sin, all sin. And then as we get dirty, as we walk through the mire and the dirt of our world, and we sin, then he says, now you need to be cleansed. Those need to be cleansed by me so that you can be acceptable before my father. So I just want to consider one thing that I mentioned earlier, and this has to do with Peter. Um, Jesus not only knew that he was going to be betrayed, but Jesus knew exactly who was going to betray him. And so as he began to go around the table washing the disciples' feet, he knew, and I don't think he started with Judas, but he knew that eventually he would get to Judas, the one who was going to betray him. And that he would wash his feet. It's absolutely astounding to me. Just astounding to me. That Jesus had that much love that when he came to the one who was going to betray him, he treated him like he did everyone else. And what Jesus is modeling for us here is his own words when he says that we should love our enemies. He's showing us how. For all time, for us to see him Loving his enemy. The creator was washing the feet of the one who was going to betray him. The creator stooped low and washed the one who was going to betray him. He washed his feet. So when Jesus calls us to love our enemies, it's not just some theoretical, theological, philosophical statement. He's actually showing us how we would love our enemies. And that is to love all people. All people. Okay. So now, last thing is this, and then we're going to have communion together. How to bless our world, humbly serve like Jesus. Humbly serve like Jesus. Okay. So this is, it goes on and says this. After washing their feet, 
he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Answer is no, okay? No, so that's the answer, right? Now, they don't understand because he's going, you're going to understand in just a little bit. And he says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, so he's just making sure they understand where he stands. They said teacher and Lord. He says, no, I'm your Lord and teacher. So he reverses that so they really know who it was that he, you know, he was the Lord. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. So you ought to serve each other just as I served you. I have given you an example to follow. Do as. So you might circle that word as. Do as I have done to you. In other words, he's not saying do what I have done to you. Uh, in case you don't know that there, um, there's a, a group, a subgroup of uh, people who follow Jesus who believe that, uh, that when Jesus was washing feet and he's given these words, he was actually given another ordinance to the church and that they have, you know, foot, feet washings, feet, foot, foot, yeah, whatever it is. They wash each other's feet, okay? Uh, and so, uh, but that's not, he's not saying do what, he's saying do as, okay? Big difference. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sent the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So, as I said earlier, the greatest stoop, the greatest act of humility was when Jesus served his disciples. And then what he's called us to do is he's called you and me to that same act of humility that we would stoop and we would serve his disciples. That we would serve as Jesus has served. So if I'm going to bless the world, folks, if I'm going to be someone who blessed the world, I have to believe I have to believe in who the Bible says I am. If I'm going to serve the world, I have to believe that I am the beloved son or daughter of the most high God. Jesus loves me. If you don't believe, you don't know that Jesus loves me, you cannot serve out of a place of absolute humility because you still think it's about you. But you're loved by him. He accepts you. He calls you to give yourself Away, So we have to fight against this cultural pull that's always wanting this, the, the whole thing to be about us, realize that I'm loved by him. If I'm going to bless the world, secondly, I'm just giving you a couple of ideas. I have to serve in spite of who I'm serving. Serve in spite of who I'm serving. And that's what he showed us when he washed the feet of Judas. I have to serve in spite of who I'm serving. So I have to serve others in spite of their condition. That's what he calls us to do. Kind of a third idea is this. If I'm going to bless the world, I have to serve in spite of what I'm facing. This is some of you. This is going to be where the pinch comes right now. Okay, pinch is pinch time. Because for some of you, I hear it a lot. I can't serve right now because of this. I, 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 this is coming, or I have this that I'm going to do. Uh, that I want to be involved over here. Uh, it's not there yet, and I, but I'm going to make a decision now not to serve so I can be available for that when it comes. I hear this all the time. Jesus served in spite of the fact that the cross was coming. He knew it was coming, and he served in spite of his circumstances. And so how do we do this? How do we cultivate a heart that loves in that way? Well, I just want to give you an, one example would be this, is my towel this morning, and I left mine at home, so I just had to scrounge around here to find one when I got here, 
Bobby went and got his workout towel out of his car, and I said, no, Bobby. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so, you know, well, and I worked at a gas station when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, those years. I worked at a gas station. My uncle owned it. And so I know 12-year-olds don't do that today, but in our day, they did. And so, and he actually leave me in charge. And here I'm a 12-year-old in charge of the whole gas station, you know. And so uh, we had the red rags that we'd put in our back pocket. And so the red rag was always there so that you could have it when you needed to do something dirty. You know, check the oil, wipe something off, some kind of thing. So I was just thinking this morning, what would it be like if we saw ourselves, this is just a phrase I came up with this morning, okay? What if we saw ourselves as people of the towel? What if we saw ourselves? I'm part of the people of the towel. And if we saw ourselves this way, that we don't have, I'm not saying that you would want to put a rag in the back of your pocket everywhere you go this week. But could you visualize yourself with a rag in the back of your pocket everywhere you go this week? And you would say, I'm going to become a most loved, most loved by the most high God, person of the towel. I'm going to give myself away. So here's how we do that. Look at this next verse. Jesus goes on and says this. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. So how do we love each other? By serving each other. Just as I had loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You are my disciples. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do a couple things. Next, what I'm going to ask you to do is grab this flyer out of here. And so it says you'll know, people will know you by how you love each other. Well, one of the ways we can love each other is to serve each other. And so once a year, we just say, hey, let's, let's all get involved. Let's get engaged. Let's become people of the towel, and let's serve each other. And so this is going to give you opportunities if you wanted to find an area. Some of you, many of you, uh, are not serving anywhere in the church family. And so this will give you a chance if you wanted to. These are just some of the positions that are available. You can go through this. Uh, you can check off one or two that you might want to be part of. Don't check 10, please. Just one or two. That would be really good. And then on the back, there's a place for you to say, oh, I already serve. This is, you know, because some of you are already serving. You know, we're not asking you to pick two or 10 more. Honestly, if you're already serving on the back, just put here, just, here are the teams I serve with. And so we can make sure that we can understand that. And then you print, please print legibly um, your phone number and email. And, and I know how this works. Is any, every time we do this, some people will print so poorly that we can't read it. And I'm thinking, is that just because they didn't really mean it? Who knows? So make sure we can actually read it as we go through this. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to get some time to look at that and listen. Uh, our team's behind me, and they're going to come and sing a song for us. It's about, you know, uh, the loving and serving and giving because of what Jesus has come and done for me. And then right after that, I'll come back and we'll move us into time of communion. So let my life be the proof that 
Ushers are moving into their places. I want to lead us in a prayer now. Jesus, that's our prayer. That let our lives, our everyday lives, let them be the proof of the love that you have for us. The proof that we know that you love us and we've received that love. Lord, I know that as we were talking there about the cross and cleansing, that there are people in the room and they've never yet said yes to Jesus. And if you've never had an experience where you were willing to humble yourself before him, knowing that you're not good enough, knowing that you could never be too bad, that you would humble yourself and say, Jesus, as much as I understand it, I, I want to receive your cleansing. I want to receive your cleansing. I want to be made whole. I've sinned, Jesus. Forgive me. I want to be in your family. And for those who know Jesus, communion is a wonderful time where we come and we come before the Father, come before the cross. And it's a time when we can look at our lives and, and it's possible that in our lives that there are things there that uh, have caused us to, let us use this word, be dirty. And that now's a time for cleansing. That Jesus wants to cleanse your feet. He wants to wash your feet. 
He wants you to be clean. You don't have to leave here today carrying residue. And now as we have communion together, Father, I pray that you would just use this time to draw us to yourself. And our ushers are going to begin serving now. And we just want to ask is, is during this time, if you would please um, not talk to anyone, but you would just allow them as they pass the plates by and someone passes the plate to you, that you would take a piece of the bread and a little cup of the juice. And then after everyone's served, then we'll be able to uh, have communion together. So I just pray that you would uh, do that. Jerome, can we bring the lights down, please? meditate on the words on the screen from Matthew 20 for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many So John didn't record the supper. He recorded what happened before it and after. The rest of the Gospels do record what happened that night. And when Jesus, as they had the supper together, uh, after he had washed their feet, so this is context, he'd washed their feet, 
And as he had washed their feet, then now he serves them. Uh, and he broke some bread, it says. And as he then handed out that bread, and he says, eat this bread, for it represents my body, which will be broken for you. Let's eat this. Let's thank Jesus for what he did. And he poured some wine in a goblet. And he said that uh, this represents my blood, which will be shed for the remission of sins, to establish the new covenant between man and God. And he said that we should drink this and we should remember him. Now, just as I said a moment ago, the disciples, they didn't know what this meant right now. But we have the epistles. We have the understanding now of the church for centuries, thousands of years, of exactly what it meant on this night as Jesus served by giving his body and his blood. And the same Jesus says to us, he says, I want you to serve. I want you to serve. Become people of the towel. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that you would help me personally to see myself as a servant. Not looking for how others can serve me or meet my needs. But I pray that you would help me to be more and more aware of the needs around me and the ones that you want me to meet, to fill. I know that you don't call us to fill every need. So I pray that you would give us awareness and willingness to serve in your name, to give your love away. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.